Good evening, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. Merry Christmas Eve to you. It's uh, December 24th, and uh, we just republished A Christmas Truce, which was a section from my video, The Truth About World War I, regarding the Christmas Truce, which I think is really worth watching. <clears throat> if you get a chance, of course, it's in the feed and the stream at Freedom Main Radio, no, YouTube slash free domain radio youtube.com slash free domain radio i hope you're having a wonderful wonderful christmas um and of course you are if you're listening to this live but i mean even if you're not i hope you have a, a really wonderful christmas and uh that your heart is full of of love and kindness and um and charity you remember of course there's a lot of people in the world i assume less fortunate than you and uh, it's usually worth spending a little bit of time and energy to help make those people's christmases a little better this year. So whether it's a soup kitchen or a donation or something like that, I think that would be a nice a thing to do. So I hope you're going to have a wonderful break, whether you're off between now and New Year's. Um, relax, kick back, enjoy your life, and uh, enjoy philosophy. A quick shout out, of course, we have um, the newest member. Um, I like to call them the Free Domain Radio family, but uh, that clearly is not even remotely biologically accurate. So we just wanted to uh, take a moment to congratulate a listener named Asher and his wife. They are new parents of approximately 17 and a half minutes ago. So um, I can only assume they're back to listening to the show. Um, I don't mind interruptions during the actual birth moment because um, it can be difficult to concentrate and I don't like to take breaks. But then, of course, you must get right back onto listening. So Asher uh, and your wife, you are new parents and you have... Welcome to beautiful baby girl into the world, and um, you are on board, as you say, with peaceful parenting, with non-intimidation, with non-power, non-authority, with negotiation, and egalitarianism for all, so I'm fantastically thrilled to hear all about that, and um, looking forward to hearing how it goes. And so, with that having been said, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, and let's move on with the callers. All right. Well, up first today is Nick. He wrote in and he had a question regarding the Eric Gardner video we just put out. He said, why did you spend so much time arguing that the police were not responsible for Eric Gardner's death, given your point at the end of the video? Was this not a great opportunity to reach out to those who are concerned about police violence and point out the violent nature of the state and the futility of government, quote unquote, reform? All right. So would you like to mention to those who haven't watched the video Nick, what the point was at the end? Yeah, absolutely, Steph. Um, yeah, so at the at the end, you did a, a very eloquent bit um, uh, about how uh, every time somebody asks for a law, this is what you're going to get. Um, you know, no matter what law you're talking about, uh, the police are there. They've got the the legal authority and obligation, even as you know, if you pointed out, and other people have pointed out to initiate violence against us. And um, that's just, you know, one of those times that it was captured on camera. Uh, and I think that, you know, that uh, that point was was very well made. Um, it was just, I just found it to be a bit, uh, like I said, kind of almost kind of confusing, you know, based on the, the first sort of larger portion of the of the video or the, the episode. So at the beginning, of course, <clears throat> I'm talking about making the argument that the police were not, like they didn't shoot him in the head. They didn't directly cause his death. 
for those who haven't watched the video, the general argument seems to be that uh, this was not a can't-breathe chokehold. And there was, according to the coroner's report, no damage to his neck. Uh, sorry, no damage to his throat or his windpipe or anything that might indicate breathing problems. But it appears that there was, um, uh, you know, whether it was a stressor, he had high, heart disease, I think, and, and really bad asthma and so on. And um, that the death did not occur uh, at the hands of the police. And the death occurred about an, an hour later, I think, in the ambulance on the way to the hospital where he had a cardiac arrest and died. And so I'm, I'm really talking two issues in the video. One is the cause, causal effect within the current system, right? The cause and effect within the current system. And for, again, I'm not a lawyer, but my understanding is that the reason that there was no um, charges, or at least the grand jury did not recommend charges be laid, was because the police could not have known ahead of time that this big, meaty-looking fellow was basically halfway to death's door before they even showed up. And that you have to show that some, like someone's actions have to have purposefully and with knowledge, not necessarily with malice, that's the difference, I think, between negligent homicide and murder, but the person must have known ahead of time that his actions were likely to cause someone someone's death. And again, having not... That there's no, as far as I understand it, even now there's no. Uh, there has not been a release of the grand, the testimony that the grand jury saw, which is different from the Michael Brown case, where the, there was a huge amount of material that was released. And so we we can only guess from the outside, and I can guess least well again, not being a lawyer, but um, my guess is that there was no way for the police to know ahead of time that the actions they were going to take would cause his death. Now, that seems to me a, a fairly empirical argument. And I'm, you know, it's my standard is what would be the case in a free society. Now, in a free society, would he even end up in this situation? I mean, it's not just the um, the smuggling cigarettes or the selling of the onesies or whatever it is that he's doing. I mean, that obviously would not be a big issue in a free society. But let's say that he was a guy in a free society, the sidewalks would be owned by the store owners. And if he was in front, uh, you know, let's say he was in front of the um, the store and he was begging for, for money from people going in and out of the store. And maybe he was harassing them a little or maybe he was intimidating them a little. I, again, I'm not saying he was doing any of this. I'm just talking about how things might work in a free society. Now, in a free society, the store owner may not want this person on his property as he would perceive it bothering his customers. And so he would call his dispute resolution organization or his local police company, and the police would be obligated to remove this person from private property. Now, would they do this kind of takedown? Would they, I, have, I have no idea. I have no idea whatsoever because I'm an expert in such a small amount of information that uh, you know. Is there a more peaceful way to take down this ma massive guy who looks pretty strong? Uh, I don't know. Um, but the police would have the right in a free society to remove him from someone's private property if he was bothering them or bothering their customers. And is it possible in a free society that they would initiate measures if he resisted arrest, that they would have to initiate measures to um, 
to physically remove him? And could those measures and the stress of, of the interaction result in somebody with a, some heart disease and, and asthma and so on? Could that person then have a heart attack? Well, yeah. And so in, in a free society, this situation could arise. And again, in a free society, I mean, all deaths, of course, are a tragedy. But the question would be, did the person who was attempting to restrain and remove the other person, in this case, Eric Garner, did he, would he have reasonably known ahead of time that his actions would have caused death? Now, I mean, if they, they push him in front of a speeding locomotive, well, then, of course, they know that the actions are likely to cause massive injuries or death. Um, this kind of takedown, um, I think it was about a quarter of a million um, of these kinds of um, arrests were made in New York. I assume that this wasn't wildly outside the norm for how small guys can subdue a huge guy. And in, I think, none of the other arrests was, was death the result. And so uh, if they did not use things wildly outside of the norm for taking down a big guy, and if they, of course, they can't be expected to know his entire medical history and, and fragility and so on, um, and of course, they may have been aware, I don't know, but they may have been aware that he had resisted arrest beforehand. And given that he was a pretty big guy, that may have been somewhat damaging to, to the officer. So just forget about, you know, for me, the argument is, well, forget about the state at the beginning. Let's just look at the facts of the situation, because a lot of these laws come out of common law, which is to some degree voluntaristic and free market and that kind of stuff. And... What is the standard for murder or negligence? Well, it has to be either action or carelessness where ahead of time you had some reason to believe might lead to someone's death. And I think it's hard to make that case. And clearly the prosecutors were unable to make that case to the grand jury. So that, that is a sort of fact-based situation. Now, as to the whole mess, well, yeah, that's, that's where the state comes in. And uh, this is where, you know, selling these cigarettes is a result of taxes. And I don't know whether the guy was on the welfare state or, you know, I mean, whether his, you know, he had, I think, six kids or whatever. And I don't think you can support six kids by selling single cigarettes to people. And so as far as the whole mess goes, yeah, the state is bound up in it. But as far as the actual interaction between the offices and that person, which could, of course, occur in a free society, and I'm sure would, then what do you do with a huge guy who resists arrest? Well, obviously you don't shoot him. And uh, as far as I remember from Rodney King, tasers have, are of uncertain efficiency. And of course, tasers can also cause a problems with people's health, to put it mildly, as well. And so, yeah, I mean, it's gruesome. It's horrible. It's tragic. Nobody, I'm sure, wanted the, the situation to go down that way. But to look at things from a sort of abstract logical standpoint and an empirical standpoint – was there enough – like did the police have enough information to reasonably believe that their actions would kill the guy? And according to the grand jury, no, they didn't. And so, again, not having had a chance to review, as, as nobody has, the grand jury test, uh, the testament the grand jury received, I think we can only go with they can't have been doing anything wildly outside the norm. And if the guy's doing what he was taught to do in the academy and if it was the underlying – health issues that were the fundamental cause of Eric Garner's tragic demise, then you're really asking 
cops to be MRI scanners and doctors and take a full medical history before they uh, try to arrest someone, uh, which I think is obviously an unreasonable standard. So, yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing, why this interaction occurred had a lot to do with the state. But still, within the context of the interaction, um, it seems that it's hard, it's it's obviously was was too hard to make the case that the police could reasonably have assumed uh, um, that their actions would lead to his death. Does, does that that help at all? I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that's sort of my explanation of it. I appreciate your explanation. Um, I don't think that helps, kind of, in terms of what I was thinking about, though. Um, so, from my point of view, I was thinking about. Um, that this would be, like I'm calling, um, and by the way, I, I want to mention that Mike encouraged me to uh, to continue with my with this call because at, at first I kind of thought, I thought, well, I think I'm going to back away from it because I'm basically just giving Steph advice about no, how to do run it, a, do it, about, you know, like about how you to understand. run a podcast, you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm like, I, I've never done that before. I don't have any experience with podcasting. The only thing that I really thought about was like my own experience, you know, um, in terms of like my own evolution from being like a leftist and then, you know, gradually becoming a libertarian. And then after a few years of that, like, um, getting an anarchism and then even after that, finding you and, and evolving further with my thinking. And I was just thinking that like, okay, so like, this is like a video, this is a, an, uh, an episode of the show where there might be a lot of people watching the show for the first time, I think, because obviously like a lot of people are, so. yeah. a lot of people are interested in this, this topic. It seems to be, I mean, like swelling to, uh, you know, like we don't even know where this is going. There was like another one that just happened also in St. Louis, uh, I think yesterday or today. Um, yeah, well, okay. But I mean, I think that one has been caught on some grainy video. And in that one, again, I don't, I don't know if there's anything conclusive, but it does seem like the 18-year-old guy pulled a gun and pointed it at a cop. Yeah, and I'm sorry, I don't really know the details. I just know that like anything that's going to happen like that, whether it's uh, yeah, like whether somebody's got like a, a more clear cut case of you know threatening uh, a police officer or whatever, like the the interest in this issue is growing. And, and as you know, it, it doesn't even have to be said almost that the exposure that we've had to um, excessive police violence, which maybe is all police violence, but um, over the last few years, you know, with social media and so on. Uh, has been pretty overwhelming. So, like, the way I look at this issue is that, like, well, one, yeah, like, there's going to be some some new people checking out FDR when this comes around. And I'm, you know, just for my part, like, I'm a monthly donator and I care about the show. And uh, I think that, like, when, when somebody hears you talking about, um, you know, maybe you'll, maybe you'll agree with me on this point, maybe not. But, like, whenever we, we hear someone speak, especially for the first time, but maybe even after many times, we're scanning for motives, you know, like we're scanning for like, what, you know, what is this person going for? Like what, what, what matters to them? Um, uh, do their values align with mine? Not just like, you know, hard empirical, you know, rationalism of like, you know, analysis and so on. That's important. Uh, hopefully to most of us, that's important, but we're also scanning for, uh, for motives. At least I know I do. Uh, and so like, because like somebody can say a lot of things that I might agree with, but if they say something that throws me like off a bit, then um, I might say, well, wait a minute, you know, where are they coming from? And um, maybe maybe I'm not so sure about this person in terms of like what like their ultimate like principles are. And so yeah, on. I mean, I, I get that. It's like somebody says, you know, two and two make four, four and four make eight, eight and eight make 16 and unicorns. 
And you're like, wait, wait, what was that last one again? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was with you until the unicorn thing, right? So, you know, I get that. Of course, you, you, you want to know that people have um, uh, trustworthy intentions and are not surrendering to, to bias. Uh, at least, you know, we, we all have it, of course. But, you know, you work to, to oppose it and to be clear. So, But, yeah, right. go ahead. So, so I was thinking about this issue, and it's like for me, like I know that um, that you and and many people in our in our community and FDR and, and the libertarian world too have a pretty pretty great hate on for the mainstream media, and so like I, I kind of thought, well, I wonder if Steph is kind of coming at this, you know, because uh, of course they've captured it for their own purposes, which is sensationalize everything and politicize everything, and. Um, let's see, you know, where we can go with this, not just to make money, but to, you know, fit into our own narratives and so on. And, and so like the racism component has really, you know, uh, been swept up into it or it's been, uh, which with Eric Garner is, is hard to understand because, um, you know, there were, it was a lot of black store owners who called to complain about him. It was, uh, you know, there was a black female sergeant who was in charge of the whole takedown, who was observing the whole thing and who wasn't like, Hey, what are you doing? Right. Um, so yeah, the idea that it's all uh, racism is, it's, it's just a bit of a hard case to make, but, uh, but go ahead. Yeah, that may be. Um, but although I think that people would look to the police, um, you know, about, about that one. Uh, but so, but, but regardless, Wait, sorry, that, I'm not sure what that means. Well, if they're going to say like, Oh, you know, was racism involved with this? Um, sure. Maybe the, the store owners were calling, you know, the white store owners, even though that's not the case, I guess, from what you're saying, I don't know you know, calling out on Eric Garner and trying to get him in trouble with the police or whatever, but uh, like more like who are the police there that, uh, you know, uh, are they racist when they're singling him out or, you know, using, you know, um, choke well, then the black, but then the, but then the black woman in charge of the scene and another black officer who was there would mm-hmm. also have to be racist because she was, as far as I understand it, she was, again, this is off memory, but uh, she was a sergeant and she's not heard saying, hey, what are you doing? Or, you know, that's too much or anything like that. Yeah, no, and I'm not necessarily making the case that it is racist. You know what I mean? Like it was racism on part of the police. Um, I don't think it really even has to be. And that's what my, my thought is about this is that like so many people are going to see this for the first time. And that is the sort of larger narrative that's out there. Um, that the, the, the media kind of captured this and um, and make it about race. Um, whether and I think that we, you know, I think it's good to be open to that possibility. And I know that you are. Um, but like, but what's more important about it for me, and I think for most people, you know, um, who are skeptical about the state, even just in a kind of loose way or whatever, um, whether they're on the left or the right, is it, it's just the state violence issue that like. <laughs> Yeah, like there's somebody selling cigarettes. Maybe we don't even know if he was doing that. Like uh, maybe you know we know that in the past he had been, but in this particular case he may not have been, and he's just there selling cigarettes. In other words, there's no victim from him, uh, but he's going to get you know tackled, and then just like with any other law, you can be thrown in a cage or killed if you resist. Well, but but hang on a sec, hang on a sec. So no victim for. No, for him selling uh, cigarettes. Absolutely, there is. Okay, well, I've missed that one. Which, what would you say? Who's the victim? Well, it's, there? it's the victim is the people who are obeying the law. So, okay, now that's that's interesting. I, I'm surprised that you make that that uh, that you're, you make that connection there, stuff. Just because, for me, like because they uh, they are victimized by the state by like you know like uh, I guess like vendor licensing laws there. 
And well, no, no, no. I mean, there is that. Obviously, there's property taxes, and there's the expense but of having Garner, to have but a shop. Garner but Eric no, Garner isn't imposing, but, no, imposing no, that on him. No, but it's um, uh, it's the cigarette taxes, right? Well, that's and a, the fact so that's, that cigarettes one, that sure. yeah, but so there's cigarette taxes, and and as far as I understand it, I'm pretty sure about this that store owners are not allowed to sell single cigarettes, and so so he's able to. Um, but that wouldn't be. But they wouldn't be the victim of him because he's selling cigarettes loosely. It's just that he's playing outside the rules. Um, the victimization is from the state to the the store owners. There, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, I get that. But they but they can't do anything about that, right? I mean, they can't do anything about cigarette taxes. But they can get the guy who's undercutting them and taking away their business off the sidewalk that their taxes pay for. Sure, again, no, I, I'm I just talking that. about this within the context of the situation, but just saying, oh, well, he was selling cigarettes, there was no victim. Well, there was. Because if there was no victim, why was anyone calling about this? Because, if, because, I go for a stro- if I go for a stroll in the woods, there's no victim, right? And so nobody's, oh, my God, call cops, call a guy in the woods, right? I mean, so somebody was bothered by what he was doing, and somebody felt, or I guess a number of people felt, that his presence was negatively impacting their lives in some manner, in, in, in a significant enough manner to call the uh, police. And so sure. whether he was bothering their customers and the customers weren't going in, whether he was selling cigarettes, whether he was intimidating people, I don't know because there's no footage from before the incident. But uh, clearly there was enough of an incident and a repetitive enough of an incident that was harming people's perceived self-interest to the point where they were willing to call the cops. Well, then there is. There are victims within the context of the situation. And, and they can't change the cigarette tax law, but they can get a guy who, because he's not obeying the law, is able to undercut them um, off the street. Okay, so would we say then that if um, – so let's say it's – okay, it's illegal for me to sell um, – I don't know. Uh, well, it's illegal for me to sell – uh, something like uh, pseudoephedrine, you know, like a, a drug people take for like clearing out their sinuses, that kind of thing. Um, if I sell it, if I somehow acquire it, you know, voluntarily through, I don't know, whoever, uh, and then I try to sell it to friends of mine and people in my neighborhood and so on, does that mean that like drug stores that sell it legally are victimized by me? Well, uh, to a small degree they are, but it's irrelevant. Because they don't know what you're doing, and therefore they can't do anything about it. But if you're standing right in front of a drugstore and, you know, telling customers to buy your stuff instead of going in and getting ripped off by the – I'm not saying he was doing that, but just a theoretical example, right? Well, yeah, then the guy who has, you know, saved up his money, who's invested in a business, who pays his taxes, who's gone to school – who gets up at five o'clock in the morning to open his store? Who probably washes it, <laughs> washes the floor himself at night? That guy is um, losing out to a guy who doesn't do any of that stuff or doesn't do much of it, right? Yeah, but the but the overwhelming um, uh, precipitating precipitating cause of that is the state and the and the laws that are enacted around that, not. Yeah, but dude, that's exactly that was exactly my point in the at, at the end of the video, which is why the video has done like seventy thousand rather than two hundred thousand views because it's much tougher to share that kind of message. I fully accept and understand that, but we need to be precise in our language. Yeah, of course, everybody's a victim of these state laws, but 
your issue, I think, is that if I'm talking to libertarians, then they're going to be confused and frustrated, right? And annoyed. Potentially, yeah. I, I th- right, right. No, I think it's more than potentially. Um, well, and, but, and, yeah, yeah, but not just them, but but any anybody. I was thinking particularly people coming, you know, kind of from more um, also like a liberal or leftish, you know, kind of point of view. Oh yeah, okay, but I mean the liberal point of view is that you know the the best thing we can have a, is a race war, and what can I do to add kindling to the fire, right? No, no, so, no, no. I don't. I, mean, the, the I don't, agree, I don't that, agree with that stuff because, and the reason why I say that. Is because I'm somebody who came from the left, okay? And are you still there? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, the screen changed. I thought it hung up. I was like, no. Uh, so anyway, I'm so, not that fragile. <laughs> no, no, okay. I just, just meant like a just an error with error with the software. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no. So like, like I came from the left, and but like all along the way, you know, I'm not saying that everybody on the left is curious. And, you know, and open to other ideas. But I was always open to other ideas, other persuasion, you know, like, hey, prove me wrong, that kind of stuff. And even with that mentality, it still took a long time. But there are people who are looking at this stuff, who are open to new ideas, who might just listen to the show. And, like, they're going to, like, listen to the first few minutes, maybe even the first half of something like this. And I think they're going to they're going to read into the motives of that. And it's just like, like like your motives of that and and oh like i'm a racist cop lover kind of thing well i don't know about that extreme but like that but you're along you're, that continuum right something something yeah like you're kind of like in like republican land or whatever like because it's like the, the analogy and, and maybe maybe you can help me with this maybe like maybe this analogy is off a little bit but i was thinking like well like i was talking about with my wife last night uh like like if, if somebody was talking about the iraq war um, and they wanted wanted to condemn it, let's say, and so like uh, you know, um, they spent like the last few minutes of a video condemning you know the Iraq War because of all the casualties and all the horrors and so on. Um, but like, let's just say that like, let's just say that like uh, in that particular case, like Congress declared war, and for the first you know fifteen minutes of that video or so, that person said. Okay, so we're going to look at the the legality of the Iraq War now. You know, they did go through the congressional, um, you know, the legal processes of, of declaring war. They, the Senate did this, and so on and so on. And you know, we kind of looked at it in detail, and maybe there was some controversies thrown in there and that kind of stuff. But ultimately, we decide that legal the war was legal, it was declared properly, and so on. And then, but, but then in the last few minutes, we're going to say, yeah, but this is this is evil. It's wrong, and here's why. And then goodbye. And, like, that was kind of the, like, whoa, you know, kind of feeling or whatever that I had after listening to it. Um, but, 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 Nick, hang on a sec. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I mean, my response to that will be that that's a wildly inaccurate analogy to what I did in the video. Wildly inaccurate? Okay. Wildly inaccurate. Because I was talking about facts presented to a grand jury. And I was also talking about reasonable standards of justice, not just what happens to be legal. If I was focused on what happens to be legal, then I would say, well, of course, you know, he should be arrested because well, he was selling cigarettes, but, right? Sorry, but what, no, but hang on. But what I was doing was I was saying there's a reasonable standard of justice, which is that if you do something and someone has an underlying medical condition that causes their death, which you have no advanced knowledge of, that cannot be considered murder. And that's a, I think that's philosophically, I think that's a reasonable standard of justice. It also happens to be the law with regards to this situation, but it's not because it's the law that I was talking about it. Because if I was only talking about what was legal or illegal, 
right? Then I would have just talked about, well, he was selling cigarettes illegally and deserved to be arrested, right? Which was not my, my argument. But for me, the philosophical question is, can someone be held criminally liable for actions where they had no way to know ahead of time that what they were doing was going to cause someone's death? Well, and I think that that would be a very tough case to make uh, morally, philosophically, and so on. The fact is it also happens to be the law in these situations in general. Whereas what you're talking about with the Iraq war is the technical legalities, right? You know, my, my argument, as you know, with regards to the Iraq war is that we look at the violence of the Iraq war and we, you know, I think any reasonable, decent, sensitive human being says, well, that's pretty horrifying. But that's only the effect of the initiation of force against citizens through taxation and through the control of the Fed and all of that sort of stuff so that you can have free war. <laughs> so I wouldn't be saying, well, there's a, a technical rubber stamp approval of status laws, which I think it would be your analogy with regards to the Iraq war. But um, uh, because I would be talking more about the principle of self-defense, which clearly doesn't apply in, in the Iraq War. So I, I don't think that those two are particularly analogous, but I'm happy to hear, you know, if I'm talking out of my armpit. Well, well, yeah, I mean, it's, I was just, it's kind of a half hypothetical because, you know, they didn't even declare war in that. But yeah, what, 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 I just, I find it strange though, that like the major purpose of, of the video or, or, or even just a major purpose of the video was to like, kind of point out that like, if this, we, if we were in a free society, this could happen Here's some like common law principles that were at work here, that kind of stuff, because that's not what's going on. What's going on is that here's like this extremely, I mean, if you want to talk about like legally distorted or whatever, everything is distorted in terms of like, I mean, the, the police don't own this, uh, the, they don't like morally, like legally, or sorry, morally defensively own the street. You know what I mean? They own the street. The government owns the yeah, street yeah. And, the si- and the sidewalks, but they really don't own it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so therefore, like that. It almost it's kind of immaterial to me. It's like, well, we could we could talk about that in any situation. Um, I, I don't feel like at least sorry that's a that's a bad choice of words. I don't recall you really discussing that so much in the video. And maybe and correct me if I'm wrong. If like that was like discussing what whether the police owned the sidewalk. Sorry, Nick, uh, you got to come. We dropped you for a second or two, but uh, oh. you can just pick up from a minute back. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. You you look like you were having some really good points. So we had to drop you for a moment. Sorry, just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so, yeah, and I was going to make a joke earlier. It's not really that good, but like that, you know, I'm kind of like the elf on the shelf for you tonight, just kind of watching and, you know, no, trying, good. To, good. Trying, to be, trying to be, you know, creepy as far as, as best I can on Christmas Eve. Um, Stop picking your nose, Steph. Hey, yeah. how do you know? Anyway, go on. <laughs> Uh, so what I was saying though is that like it didn't seem from what I recall it wasn't like a it wasn't clearly discussed that sorry that, but what wasn't clearly discussed whether the police owned the sidewalk no no that that, it, that the purpose of the video was to point out like hey this could happen in a free society because it's not happening in a free society you know what I mean like it was it's it's an incident that happened now and and I thought that the, that you were you know and you worked very hard um, and I'm sure Mike did too. And like, you know, figuring out as many facts as you guys can unearth, um, you know, about the situation and so on. And just to kind of say, hey, do the, the facts point to whether um, the police directly were responsible for killing this guy or not? Uh, it, that seemed to be the kind of major 
purpose of it. And so I guess the other thing I wanted to say about that, which I guess a lot of people are thinking, and is that like, well, okay, yeah, this guy is is obviously medically fragile in some ways. Um, he's he's pretty significantly o- obese, um, and there's you know some like heart you know condition kind of going on and so on. You know, he's not living a very healthy life to say the least. But at the same time, though, like, <laughs> there's no way that I I can't accept that the police like pulling him down, and I'm not saying they have to be responsible for this in a way. But dragging him to the ground and choking this guy for whatever, standing there soliciting people and so on, like that wasn't an impetus. No, 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 no. Come on, come on. You you, you left this thing here. I mean, he was not choked for selling cigarettes. That wasn't that the like. I thought that was the the, the major. No, that's that's the same thing as people saying, well, you know, Michael Brown was shot because he, he he was a shoplifting. No, Eric Garner was not put in a chokehold because he was selling cigarettes. Eric Garner was put in a chokehold for one simple reason, that he resisted arrest. Yes, no, I, I agree with that. I, no, but, but that's the you, but you, your narrative is, is wrong and, and is, I think, irresponsible. Because so it's inflammatory. But, but, it's inflammatory to say this guy was killed for... I'm not saying, but this guy, it happened because he was selling cigarettes. No. But if that wasn't the law, they wouldn't be able to arrest him for that, right? No, I understand that. But if he had said, okay, I'll come with you, then they would not have swarmed him. They would not have tried to take him down. If he was not resisting arrest, and also, whether the cops knew beforehand or not, he had a, what was this, his 32nd time being arrested, going back to the 1980s, and he'd been violent with cops in the past and writes I don't know how many of them or if any of them we don't know because there's no grand jury testimony available but if they knew that then he's dangerous and you know as one of the officers said like basically giant plate glass window I don't want to go through that right you so he was not choked for selling cigarettes he was choked for resisting arrest that's important Look, I don't agree with the selling cigarettes law, of course, right? I mean, don't don't get me wrong. It's monstrous. And and but but this and this is the reality of the state. I get that. But in terms of the cause and effect, he had been arrested before. He knew the drill. This was not a guy pulled over for speeding the first time. He knew the drill. He also knows as all habitual criminals know what happens if you resist the police, they will escalate until you are subdued. He knew that. He was a career criminal. That's like saying, I'm a big game hunter, but I had no idea that lions were dangerous. So what, what other crimes had he committed? Uh, off the top of my head, um, I think he had definitely, um, uh, I mean, sold these cigarettes before. Um, Eric Gardner was known to have had a criminal record including 31 arrests dating back to 1980 when he was 16 on charges such as assault, resisting arrest, and grand larceny. Several of those arrests were due to the sale of unlicensed cigarettes. That's all we have detail-wise that's been released. So, okay, but I just want to make sure, because we're talking about inflammatory language. Uh, like I, I don't know, if Mike, if you said those were those were convictions or those were arrests. Or I don't think arrests make someone a, a, a lifetime criminal or whatever term you use. You know what I mean? 
Well, I said habitual criminal, and there is some indication that he'd had a well, you job. Said, you said lifelong criminal. Okay, so he was first arrested when he was 16. I don't know whether the, I don't think we know whether the conviction stuck or what his jail time was, if any, or anything like that, which again is also a pretty terrible system as a whole. But so, the right, reality so, but, is, but like, let's, let's be fair ahead. though. Like, if, if you're going to say like inflammatory statements, I'd say that I would would definitely claim that that's an inflammatory statement to call somebody a lifelong criminal based on uh, just arrests or or even just, oh come on come on look I, I get I get that come and on. I get that maybe like thirty one arrests. So yeah, and well, so so somebody can be arrested many times, and there's no ev- if they didn't have evidence, then they didn't convict him. So, but I mean, to call someone a lifelong criminal, I mean that's 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 an inflammatory thing to say. I, I would say so. Not, I mean, not if it's maybe, not if it's based up with some facts. I mean, if I said, well, you know, the guy was arrested for shoplifting once when he was eighteen, and then got into this. If I said he was a lifelong criminal, Mike, if you could just have a quick look up and see if any of those arrests uh, stuck um, or not. Uh, that might be helpful. I don't know whether yeah, that information is, is available, available or not. Last time I looked, it wasn't, but I will do a double check now. I mean, see, I would certainly, I would agree that he had a lifelong <laughs> flirtation with, you know, with the law. You know what I mean? Like he, a lifelong um, or a habitual uh, tendency to uh, to skirt the law or whatever. At, you know, at minimum, you know, I'll, I'll definitely go with you on that one. Okay, so b- b- my point being that this, since this was not his first encounter with the police since it was his 32nd encounter with the police yes and being arrested this was not i mean he would know this right absolutely you know yeah i mean i you know i mean that's a very unwise thing to do i mean you know i don't i don't think anybody with any um with any sense or whatever is going to say that that, that's a wise thing to resist the police i mean maybe that you can make a point out of it or whatever i don't think you're going to make much of a point but um it's it's a very unwise thing to do, to say the least. I mean, you know, cost him his life. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I I think like everyone, it would be great if it hadn't gone the way that it went. Obviously, as in a quarter million times where people are arrested for what I assume is nonsense uh, in New York every year, that it went the way that everyone else went. Uh, I think uh, it's um, it's it's awful the way it went down. I mean, for me, the heartbreaking thing was hearing in his voice. You know, leave me alone. I'm minding my own business. You know, this ends today. You know, like he was you, – you could, at least for me, hear this, this bottomless frustration and hopelessness and anger yeah, I and think despair he, he felt like in he, his voice. He was being harassed. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely he did. Absolutely he did. And, and I think that's tragic. I think that's, I, I think that's horrible. And I – you know, <laughs> but – they're lions, right? And he was a lion tamer. He can't claim that he didn't know they were dangerous, and he certainly can't claim, not that he would now, sadly he's dead, but he can't claim that this was unforeseen. Let, let, let's put it this way. Did Eric Garner know more about the nature of the police, or did the police know more about the nature of Eric Garner's health problems? Oh, definitely the former. Right. And if you resist, they escalate. They have no. I mean, what? They, they can't walk away, right? They they can't back down. I mean, if they say we're going to arrest you, and you say I don't think so, they're like, well, oh, okay, <laughs> sorry, we didn't realize you didn't want to be arrested. We'll go back about our 
our business, right? True. Of course, at the same time, I don't think it'd be fair to say that he actually believed he was going to die. You know what I no, mean? No, like, and, and otherwise it would be suicide by cop. Right? I mean, if, if, if I take a gun out and, and point it at a policeman, I'm going to get shot. Or, or even even if you don't have a gun. I mean, like the, that guy uh, who was, you know, he was definitely, uh, I guess, verbally threatening the police. Um, this was in St. Louis after the, the Michael Brown incident. Oh, the guy who stole the muffin? Yeah, like, 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 yeah. Like, a, like an energy drink or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He basically wanted the cops to come and shoot him, it would seem. Right, yeah. Um, I mean, he was just kind of like, I mean, the guy seemed pretty, like, emotionally disturbed. Like, he was shouting and kind of taunting people in the street, like, just kind of randomly. And then, and then the police show up, and he you know, he just took it to, a, like, another level or whatever. Yeah, I mean, the police, I think, as far as I understand it, the police simply have to be in reasonable fear of their life. And they don't actually have to see a weapon. They just have to believe that you're, you might have a weapon on you or you're capable of something like that. Uh, Mike says that there's no info on the convictions of uh, Eric uh, Garner. And so, uh, so, you know, I I think your point is a fair one, and I I apologize and retract the statement, lifelong uh, criminal. But um, let's just say repeated exposure to arrest. 31 arrests. 31 arrests. This is 32. He still can't claim that uh, he doesn't know what's going down if he resists. Plus, he'd already been arrested for resisting arrest, or he'd already been charged with the resisting arrest, which means that he certainly knows what happens if you resist, which is they're going to escalate. And I don't get me wrong. I think the whole thing is terrible. The whole thing is tragic. And the whole thing is monstrous. Yeah. But saying that he was taken down for selling cigarettes is is incorrect and that views him as entirely passive in the encounter but he wasn't right well okay yeah and i, I could retract that i mean I, I could probably qualify that a little bit better i mean that was the original uh, that's definitely one of the laws being enforced in that in that incident would you not say yeah and i mean this arises out of a whole philosophy of the broken window policing right which is that if you you know you get rid of vandals and you get rid of like petty vandals and you get rid of people who spray graffiti and you get rid of people who break windows and you get pe- rid of people selling single cigarettes that lo and behold, the, 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 um, the neighborhood just gets better. Right. And, uh, I mean, I view that as arrant nonsense. Uh, I think it's highly dangerous nonsense, but it's completely understandable. I mean, it's completely understandable. Look, policemen want to go home at the end of the day, right? They don't want to go home in a bag or a box. And so for them, they're like, oh, yeah, we get to focus on people who are graffiti artists? That sounds great because, you know, those drug ping kingpings sure have a lot of guns. <laughs> so you want me to focus on petty criminals and get home at the end because they're way less dangerous? You know, oh, yeah, I can do that. I think that, yeah, that sounds great to me, which is why they drag a lot of people off the street for selling drugs. But they don't as often, as far as I understand it, climb the hierarchy and, and so on. I mean, uh, they don't. You know, this untouchable shootout scenario, I got to imagine, is every cop's worst nightmare. And so when there's a philosophy of policing that lets you deal with far less dangerous people, yeah, <laughs> I can see that. So, uh, you know, just so kind of get back to my original question. It's like, uh, given all that we just said there, it's like, like I, don't, I still don't get, and, you know, help me out. I don't get why 
examining that stuff. Uh, like about what, what I was about to say. Examining. I'm sorry. Just I didn't want you to go on and miss that point. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But that's okay. Go ahead. It's okay. Um, examining all, all the stuff about whether or not the police were directly responsible for killing him. Uh, I mean, sure, you can do that. But but why? Like, why why was that as important to you when there's so many other things to focus on about, um, like, like I think about, like, really reaching to people on the left and saying, um, look, like, think about this. Well, you know, there's some people who are not going to be open to this. That's fine. There's always going to be some people that won't listen and, like, self-examine a bit. But every time, because people on the left are, are always going to be in favor of, uh, like oh, we should we should regulate the sale of cigarettes. We should license vendors to sell the stuff in order to protect consumers or some nonsense. And and so, but what they're doing, and I don't think that they're thinking about this. I really don't. At least I know I didn't when I used to be one. Is that like yeah? But what that means though is that if somebody resists that, this is what happens to them. This is what you want to do to them if if you want that law. And like that to me is far more powerful. And less likely to get people um, pissed off or feeling squirmy in their chair, kind of thing, like I did. Uh, you know what I mean? The, the, the purpose of the examination of all that stuff is, uh, sorry, of whether the police were responsible or not. It, it, it's cloudy to me. Like I don't, I don't get it. So you don't, you don't understand the motivation as to why I would want to talk about whether the police caused his death. That that's. I just want to make sure I understand your perspective. That's yes. the part that's not clear to you. Yes, absolutely. Well, would you question the motives of a black man who resisted the narrative that blacks have extreme criminal tendencies as a whole? Uh, question the motives. In other words, let's say say that I put out an argument. This is not my (laughs) argument. But let's say I put out an argument that said, you know, blacks, boy, mostly violent and criminal. Right, and and a black person resisted that racist characterization. Would you say to the black person, "I'm not sure why you would focus on that"? Uh, well, no, but I think I would. Con- even if if I didn't initially, depending upon where they took that. You, um, no, come on, you wouldn't. If, if if a black person was opposing racism, and rightly so, you you wouldn't say, "I don't understand why you're doing that," right? No, not at the beginning, but depending upon what they said, I, I oh, would I get that. I get that. I mean? Okay, so but, go ahead. But you're saying, like, why, why would I want to focus on whether the cops were responsible for his death and, and all that? Well, because there are facts involved, and I try to focus on the facts and go where the facts lead me. And, of course, I did include in the presentation uh, all of the negative incidents that had occurred or, or been committed by the policeman in question uh, beforehand. So I wasn't trying to, quote, whitewash anything. But... Have you ever heard the argument that America is in general or in general has a big problem with racism? I think I may have heard that once or twice. You may have come across that once or twice. Have you ever come across the argument that a big component of America's racism is black racism? Uh, only from, you know, the, like, the kind of rare sort of like uh, – People on the extreme right, I guess, maybe. Yeah, okay. So it's discounted as an extremist position, right? Oh, yeah, typically, sure. Okay. Have you ever heard that in America the big problem is Asian racism? 
you mean like uh, like Asian people being racist against Indians others? and you know Japanese and I don't know what the definition of the Asian race is in general, but just Asiatic. It, 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 let's just say is it Chinese racism that that's the big problem in America. You mean like them being the recipient of racism or them? No, 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 being racists. No, no, no. So we could go through this process for a while, but when people say America is racist, what are they really saying? Well, that's a good question. I I don't know. No, it's a very simple question, and you know the answer as well as I do. You just don't want to say it. I'm not sure. Because we've just eliminated a whole bunch of races. Oh, I see. What's left? I see what you mean. Well, yeah, the, the, the white people are racist. White people are racist. White people are racist. When people talk about racism, they're talking about white people and only white people. In fact, white people are so racist that other races risk death to get into white countries. That's how racist and horrible white people are, or white-founded countries are. You know, the, the West. We, you know, white people are so racist that people will try and cross oceans on tiny rafts just to get to white-founded countries. Mexicans will risk death at the hands of these coyotes, people who lead them across. I don't know if the other kind are there too to try and get into white-founded countries. That is how unbelievably racist white people are. Everyone is desperate to get into white-founded countries. Because white people are so terrible, apparently we're just not worth watching at a distance. You've got to be up close <laughs> to see how terrible white people are. So I despise the initiation of force in all of its forms, whether it's spanking or the state power or um, uh, religious terrorism of, of children and so on. I despise, because I'm principled, and please understand, I'm not saying you're not, I'm just talking from my own perspective. As a philosopher, I must work in the greatest and widest possible abstractions. Right? And I despise bigotry, in all of its forms. I am not allowed to exclude certain groups from bigotry because that would be bigoted, right? You know, there's that old Stephen Colbert joke, you know, I don't see race. People tell me I'm white and I believe them. <laughs> I mean, but that, the first part of that statement is I look at the world. I don't, I don't want to see race. I don't care. I don't like, don't care, don't want to. And when I see one group consistently maligned as the source of all the world's problems, that's fucking bigoted as shit. That is bigoted as shit. People say America a racist. That's just a code word for whites a racist. When I see a racist narrative... And the Mike Brown and the Eric Garner narratives were racist because people weren't talking about the facts. They were bringing in the race. And they specifically excluded inconvenient facts in order to push a racist narrative. Race baiters are racist. 
look, if I'm a giant white guy and I try and grab a white cop's gun, punch him in the head, wrestle for the gun, the gun goes off, and then I charge him all 300 pounds of me, I'm going to get shot. And I am tired of everyone talking about racism. And I will also make the case that whites in general, in some ways, in many ways, are the least racist group. I don't see a lot of affirmative action in Middle Eastern countries trying to make sure that enough Christians get into positions of power. I don't see a lot of uh, blacks in the NBA saying we don't have enough white people in here. I think that the race guilt of white people is a tragedy. Of course there are racist white people. There are racist black people. There are racist Chinese people. But I also genuinely believe that there are very few people in the world who wake up every morning and say, which order of skin color can I most oppress today? I think most people wake up and they deal with their problems and they go to work and they have fun with their kids and they they don't want and are not driven by some fundamental need to oppress other people. And so I must, I'm bound to, on principle, resist racism in all its forms. And this narrative, let me, let me give you a tiny example, then I'll shut up because, you know, I'm certainly sending out a lot of info. Let me give you a tiny example of just how unbalanced that is, right? So I'm sure you remember 9-11, right? And after 9-11, what were we constantly told to remember? Well, we were constantly told to remember that the Muslim Saudi hijackers are not representative of Islam, right? That's what some people were saying. I, I felt like the thing that I was told or I caught was don't, don't forget about the heroic people who went into these buildings and saved them and the people that are on the front lines and the first responders. I felt like that was the, like, no, I get message. that. I get I, that. I think was there, was, a, there was a lot of back and forth about the, about Islam and, you know, that kind of thing. But we certainly weren't, we certainly weren't, no, no reasonable person was expected to believe that Islamics were terrorists, right? You mean like as, a, as an entire group? As a group, right? Uh, that's certainly what uh, most, I think most people were making that case. I think there was, man, there seemed like there were a lot of people saying, no, like there's the, like the people like on Fox News kind of stuff, like Sean Hannity, like, oh, the, but they all want the world, one world caliphate and this kind of stuff. And they're, they want to bring Sharia law, like that it's, it's, it's all like built into the, to the Quran. It's built into the religion itself. So there were criticisms of the religious texts, but there was no one reasonable person who said all Muslims are terrorists, right? I don't think so. No, not I mean, I, universally. There was, I think in, in the beginning of season three of The West Wing, because, you know, it's important to go to the source for your general soupy lefty stuff. <laughs> okay. um, but um, Aaron, 
He, you know, he, he has trouble getting around L.A. because he can never make a right turn. But that's perhaps a story for another time. <laughs> but um, okay. the 9-11 happened, I think, if I remember rightly, between the second and third mm. seasons. And they opened up the third season with Josh Lyman, uh, played by a very charismatic actor. Bradley Whitford, I think his name is. Great actor, very charismatic. And he said... Um, uh, like Muslim terrorists are to Islam as the KKK is to Christianity. Right? So here we have an incident where a bunch of Islamic crazies fly planes into, uh, you know, causing over 3,000 deaths and so on. And we are constantly exhorted not to judge the actions of hundreds of millions of people by the actions of few crazy extremists, right? Sure. Now, that's not what happens with white people and racism, right? I, you know, let's say that there were some genuine bona fide racists out there, and I really can't think of any, but let's just say there were. And well, let's say, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Maybe when you say racist, I mean because that, that's I guess that's a loaded word. Sometimes, like, do you mean somebody who's like you know like sort of white supremacist racist or like just let's like, say let's say so horribly racist that let's say they hijack a plane and fly it into a black college, killing three thousand people, three thousand blacks, all the while shouting "white power forever" over the radio. All right. Right? Let's say that happened. Never has, but let's say it did. Now, how many Al Sharptons and how many Jesse Jacksons do you think would be out there saying, these crazy guys absolutely do not represent white people? These guys are to white people as the KKK is to Christianity. Uh, I don't know. I, honestly, I, I don't think that – I don't know about pundits, you know what I mean? Because who – I mean, I don't. God knows what they would say about that, something like that. I don't think that most people would say, oh, yeah, this is representative of white America, that they want to indiscriminately murder innocent black people in their university or something like that. Have you I, not I, been I, reading any of the media reports on – Of course I have. I, I think like that like I, – I agree with part of what you're saying that like uh, – that the, the narrative out there or whatever is is pretty like one-sided in terms of like no, who's, no, who's no, racist, no. you know what I mean? No, it's not one-sided. It is racist. It is whites are racist. It's like the, the patriarchy. Automatically by being a male, well, in fact, just a white male, you are sexist. And automatically by being a white person, you are considered rape, uh, a racist. And that is incredibly bigoted. It's absolutely wrong. And there's no other group that I know of. Look, there are radical feminists out there, right? And there's not a sane person alive who thinks that these feminists who cheer on the death of men are representative of, of women as a whole, right? And I can't find for the life of me a white racist anywhere 
who's got any public power, any public capacity to do harm, that compares to the outspoken proclamations of people like Marxists, of people like radical feminists, of people like black power advocates and so on, those people say some crazy stuff and some pretty nasty stuff, some downright murderous stuff. And I would never say that these people are representative of their gender or racial group or ever as a whole. So even though this, quote, supposed demon of white racism, which people really can't find very well or very easily, even though it's far less public, far less egregious, far less outspoken and far less dangerous and damaging than other radical groups, even just in America, most people who are fair-minded take great pains to separate the radicals from the group and not tar and feather the whole group with the reactions of the extremists. However, even though the supposed horde of white supremacists that are everywhere causing all of these problems for every other group, even though I can't find them (laughs) anywhere that I look, whites are somehow to be tarred not just with the extremists, but with the extremists that nobody can ever seem to produce. So why is it that people can confidently come up to people, to a whole society, and say, yeah, white people are fundamentally racist? That's wrong. That's unjust. That's unfair. That is bigoted. So, okay, so, so it sounds like you're saying, so correct me if I'm wrong, that for you, like a, a part uh, of like your motivation for this video was to maybe redress that a bit. No, that's, I mean, <clears throat> this, you, we were talking about something other than the video when this topic came up because you said you couldn't understand. Well, I was. I was talking about the video. You said that you couldn't understand why I would want to deal with the facts. No, you're right. You're right. Sorry. But we drifted, drifted a little bit, if my well, memory okay, serves but, me right. Yeah, but, yeah, but you said, why, why, would you, why would you want to deal with the facts of, of the case? Sorry. That's not what I said exactly. So Go ahead. Sorry. Like, yeah. No, what, what I was asking for is that, like, why, what would be your motivation? What was your purpose in focusing on whether or not the police were directly responsible or responsible for Eric Garner's death? Um, that those kinds of facts, mm. rather rather than like focusing on, hey, this is here's another like example of why it's fucking evil to want to enact a law using the state. Uh, here's well, okay, but I did. Back, that was the last ten fifteen minutes of the video, right? It, well, I, I don't I don't know about, I don't know about the time. I, my memory for whatever that's worth uh, was I think it was like five, but it was a pretty bitching segment. I don't know the exact time either, but it was it was not, it, was, it wasn't it was, a throwaway line or two. I mean, it was a pretty focused argument. It was it was a good you know good full rights you know hook at the end. I, I agree with that, but it was also like I think dwarfed in terms of time and coverage part. Like like in other words, like like when my you know my own kind of motive radar, if you will, you know, scanning for that, like. I, um, 
I, yeah, I was confused by it. I, I didn't. I didn't get it. I didn't understand. But do like, you understand that this this story came front and center because it fits a narrative of generalized white racism. Absolutely, and 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 so like for me, like I would I would from my point of view. Again, I'm not a podcaster. I don't have the experience. It was just this is my own kind of feeling about it. Is that like why not try to? Uh, sort of pull that out and and say something different about it and not deal with with the racism part so much because in a lot of ways whether like whether whether these cops or some of those cops were racist i mean it's almost impossible to really verify something like that isn't it Uh, you know what i mean like try to actually like measure somebody's uh beliefs I mean, we can see, you know, what they do outwardly, like their outward behavior, but their thoughts. Yeah, and these cops were under the command of a black woman. You know, one of the things I would assume that a racist would not do is submit to the orders of a race he considered to be inferior or negative or whatever it is, right? Well, uh, yeah, but... but Sorry, Mike, just checked. The closing segment was 10 minutes. Okay, 10 minutes. And how long was the video? Was it like 25? 38 minutes. 38 minutes, so... So, a little over a quarter of the video. Okay, thank you. So, I was, I was a little off in my memory with that. Um, but, but it was definitely less. But anyway, um, I lost my train of thought there. Oh, I was you talking about whether racism can be measurable or not? Yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, well, yeah, although I was just going to say very quickly, like, I think just because somebody's racist, um, and, I, you know, I have a few experiences I could maybe add into there with that. Like, it, it, I think... So often, like the racism that I've seen in my life coming from white people, and I mean, and I when I think about that, I think of people in my family. These are not. And people, what's your What's your race? I'm I'm white. I'm Caucasian. Okay. So you know, you know, these are not people in positions of power. It's more like everyday kind of stuff that would be where it would come out. But like, like somebody doesn't have to be like yes, like these cops were like under the direction or under the you know like the like their captain or whatever was was black and they're white, but you you know what I mean? Like, well, you don't have to be like, so like white supremacist or whatever to be, I think somewhere in the middle of the road racist about stuff like that. I understand that, but but where's the the evidence, right? Well, well, this is, we're not, we're not, we're talking about a hypothetical situation. No, no, but we're not. We're talking about a bunch of cops under the direction of a black cop with another black cop present who are, Taking down a guy who's resisting arrest, who I think mostly black shop owners called the police on. Well, and that's why I was saying, like, it's hard for I think anybody to, with some like really like rigorous kind of level of evidence, to say this person was racist, this person was not racist, without them making some kind of racist statement or. Oh no, no, you you can, no, you can, because if you say whites are racist, which is what people are always saying when they're saying America is racist. That is a very, very clear statement of unbelievable racism. Yeah, okay. That, so that, sure. there's, there's no, like, I don't, I don't need to read anyone's mind right. to understand that. Well, well, that, that that's a very well, clear okay. statement because they're, they're painting all white people with just about the most negative brush in the leftist palette, right? It is, but that would be the same thing as somebody making a racist statement on the other end. That, that's all I was saying. Okay. Like, Have you seen a lot of statements in the mainstream media about um, – you know, well, blacks are just wildly criminal. So, well, Steph, it, it's... I'm, I'm not, not saying they are. I'm just saying, have you seen those statements? Have you seen statements in the mainstream media that categorize other races 
in even remotely as negative terms as whites are generally characterized or white societies? Statements, no. It, it's more like usually the, the complaint or whatever is that like that's how they're painted in terms of like coverage and, you know. Um, Sorry, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean. Uh, I mean, when I didn't, I wasn't really trying to bring this up to debate like the level of racism in American society or anything like that. Like, there's like huge that. racism in American society. That's what I'm saying. So, but like, it's just but, not the mainstream narrative. So, but well, but but you know what, stuff like I mean, I agree with that. Like, there's certainly bigotry on that level, you know, and even coming towards white people. Like just like you're saying. No, no, I, you say, no like, I'm not saying even coming towards white people. Like you're not understanding. There is huge racism in American society, and it's almost exclusively directed against white people. So, but my experiences are different, though. Like, like I've known many white people who who say and espouse racist stuff. Um, Can you give me an example of? Oh my who, god! Absolutely. Yeah, uh, please tell like, me. So okay, so growing up. Um, people, um, particularly on my mom's side of the family, they would say things to me, um, you know, like, uh, eight, nine, 10 years old, somewhere in there. Um, when, 11, 11, when they were eight, nine or 10 or when you were eight, nine or 10, of course, when I was eight, nine or 10 years old, I wouldn't admit a lot. They were, they were adults. Sorry. They were adults and yeah, you like, were a kid. Yeah. Like okay. I'm thinking about my, my grandfather on my mom's side. I'm thinking about my, my mother, um, my uncle on my mom's side. They would often say things, to, you know, like not like every day, but when, when the subject would kind of come up, um, you know, like, oh, well, there's two types of black people. There's black people and then there's niggers. There's, you know, black people. Oh, like out that, there. that just rock bit, right? Yeah, except not for humor, right? So, um, uh, like, there's, like, basically there's two types of people and, you know, <laughs> like there was, some are scum and some are not scum, basically. Um, and what's that and, like? If they would, if you were to say to them, you know, there's there's white trash and then there's hardworking white people, would that also be like? Would they say, oh no, all white people are the same? I don't know what they would say about that, but they didn't say that regularly. Like I don't recall them saying that, or even like, you know, like saying, well, of course there are white trash people. It wasn't like balanced in that way. At least how it was how it was presented to me. Um, and also like just the N word itself was thrown out. Um, like oh, look at that nigger over there like that kind of stuff that was thrown right. out um i remember I, i'm assuming this wasn't at a sydney porte or morgan freeman movie right no no dude like this is like uh you know just like driving around um like pulling up to a you know a supermarket like just everyday mm-hmm. kinds of experiences that kind of stuff um i can you know recall people that i went to school with in high school um, and this is, you know, when I started to get into philosophy and just kind of thinking about politics and getting into that, I started to challenge this stuff more and question this, this kind of stuff of like the, you know, I mean, like the things that my family had said and beliefs that my family held, uh, people in my high school, other white people in my high school is predominantly white, um, that, you know, like the, the same kind of stuff, uh, like, oh, they're all like that. Or like, you know, just Really? I mean, I tell you, I mean, I've, I've lived in three different continents. I've never heard this kind of talk. Have you ever lived in the United States? No, I've never lived for long. I mean, I've stayed for like a month at a time, but I never lived for long periods in the United States. Right. Now, I mean, now, granted, I'm talking about periods of time that, you know, I'm 37 years old. <clears throat> I'm talking about when I was a kid, like the 1980s, and when I was in high school, the 1990s. 
so you know there's a decent chance that people might have changed their views about this we've had some you know some time to reconsider and have some other you know points of view put in there um but i'm now, just saying technically sorry technically if i mean technically it's not racism if they're saying there are good blacks and bad blacks seriously uh, I mean, that's no racism is they're all bad right are there good whites and bad whites well yeah <laughs> Right. For so, sure. why, well, yeah, but why even evaluate it on that basis? Well, no, no. I mean, but it's not. I, but no, no. Well, but that's question. Understand that's, that's not technically racism, right? Racism well, but, well, is to well, judge already, the group by. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I disagree. Um, because what I would say is that, like, when you, you, if somebody is different from you, you place them in this sort of like other category of belief, like. That's that's why you're examining them on that basis. You're you're saying, oh, they're different from us. Like, let's look at how they're different from us. Yeah, some of some of them are like us. Some of them work regular jobs or hold, uh, you know, like they respect their own property or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, they're they're not criminals. But look at how many there are criminals. Look at how many um, that that do behave this way, that are worthless, that kind of stuff. Um, and again, it's not you know like oh, but. There are also Asian good, you know, good Asians and bad Asians are also like it wasn't presented that way. Um, I, I, I don't accept that that's not racist. I mean, I know what you're saying that. Like, well, but hang on. I mean, like I just I just did a presentation comparing crime rates um, of uh, African-Americans versus Asians. I don't know if you've ever looked up those statistics, but they're kind of different, right? <laughs> Yes, but but we know that there's proximal and distal causes for that kind of stuff. As far as I mean, and it's not like genetic. It's not like uh, it's not like you're born if you're born with you know more melanin in your skin that you're going to be more likely to be a thief, right? I I I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't. I mean, I I'd, I'd, I'd be thrilled if it wasn't genetic, and I hope the heck that it's not. But I don't know that anyone has any conclusive answers. So okay. So I mean. Th- that that that's uh, that would be strange to me, uh, especially coming from someone who who knows so much about um, early development, brain development, how that like enormously impacts personality formation. Um, Absolutely, and I, I act on the assumption I act completely on the assumption that there's no genetics involved. But because I can't state conclusions prematurely, that would be irresponsible and counterfactual and anti-philosophical. I can't say I know for 100% certainty that there's zero genetic influences in, say, aggression or capacity to defer gratification. I, I can't say that. I act on the 100% assumption, which is why in the George Zimmerman video, I took great pains to promote <laughs> peaceful parenting right, uh, uh, in, in, in black culture because I act on the 100% assumption that there's zero genetics involved. But if somebody corners me and says – can you state with 100% scientific certainty that there's zero genetic influences involved? I can't, and there's no one who can. Okay, so, okay, well then, yeah, I would, I would uh, revise that to say uh, most or a, a great majority of the evidence points to no. I've heard different arguments, and I'm not an expert, so, I, I mean, I, I can't, uh, you know, some people say, I think um, Charles Murray is of the 50-50 uh, perspective and and there's other arguments that put it at different ratios, and I I mean I'm so it's so, so far from okay, my field because, of expertise because we could, that I can Because we could also it. kind of like level the same sort of 
charge against you know white people about, or Europeans. Uh, look at all the you know. In fact, this is done quite. I'm sure you know. Like this is this is done a lot. Like kind of a, on the extreme end of like people like on the left. Like they'll say like oh like the problem was white people. Like look at all the like colonialism and imperialism in the, of the last few centuries. Um, there's white people have this propensity for violence on, on a national or international scale. Sure, and so, and, so, and, so you know, maybe, then they're going to say, "Is that is that child raising, or is that just bad white genetics?" I don't know. So, okay, I mean, so, so I, I like to focus on the things that we can change, and I want to push, you know, the, the peaceful parenting and and the the uh, calm interaction with your children and and raising children without aggression. You know, how, however far that moves everyone, I'm thrilled. You know, that's I think that's scientifically and statistically the very best option that we have in this area. Um, because, you know, I can't start tinkering with people's genetics. People already think I'm enough of a mad scientist as it is. So um, I want to keep pushing the voluntarism and the peaceful parenting um, and, and see how far that goes. If that solves white aggression, if it solves black aggression, great, fantastic. You know, I would love it if uh, everybody ended up um, peaceful. I mean, I think that would I think that's what we're all sort of aiming for. But, um, yeah, and I'm sure there are people who say, you know, the whites – and I know that because they've left comments on the videos. You know, whites are a cancer on the planet and, you know, this world would be paradise if only there weren't white people around and so on. Yeah, I mean I, I don't think those are representative of any race or group in particular. I think they're just kind of lone nutjobs. Right, and, and I would I – would, I think we would – at least I would say, and I think most people would agree, I believe, uh, or I suspect, that, that like that, that charge or whatever against – white people, you know, Europeans, Americans, and so on, uh, that we are, like, we're predisposed to be violent on that kind of scale, you know, based on colonialism and and imperialism and wars and so on, it is not, um, it's unlikely to have a basis in genetics, like, in terms of, like, just being specific to people with a a relative lack of melanin, melanin in their skin that, you know, like you and I. Well, I mean, it, again, I'm no geneticist, but it's not just the melanin, right? I mean, that's just one of many differences that, that could have something to do with, with things, right? It's not just – I mean, that the degree of melanin is not the only biological differences between the races. Um, but, um, well, but yeah, it's so – it's, it's, it's a very small percentage. I mean, as, you, as I'm sure you know, I mean, our genetic you – know, our genome compared to something like a chimpanzee is uh, – I think it's off by just a few percentage points in terms of – you know what I mean? Like similarities – and so, if we're going from in you know in between uh, inter Homo sapiens uh, genomes, then there's there's relatively little variation. It's it's a pretty small percentage. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a very small genetic differentiation between men and women, but the, the crying game still made me scream. Um, so you know, I, I, <laughs> small small genetic differences can produce some pretty large effects, like you know, tits and. <laughs> Working tits versus all taps, uh, all taps, and no plumbing. So, um, yeah, again, but I mean, I don't have the no, right, data. But, Nobody but, has the data, uh, and and I act as if, and and my particular perspective is, yeah, let's just focus on everything that we can do to to change and make the world more peaceful. It, you know, if if it shakes out that there's some genetic differences between the race that have effects on behavior, we'll figure it out as we get there. But we've got so much work to do before that even becomes a factor that, uh, to me, it's not particularly consequential. Well, and, in, and kind of going along with that, that was kind of like my original point. Like, if there, if there are things that we can focus on that can make a difference, um, why focus on I, – I don't, I don't get the focus on, like, the 
countering the racism against white people. Because thing. all of the examples of racism that you're quoting are private. And all of the examples of racism that I'm quoting are public. Yours are private and usually not accepted in the larger society. And I sure as hell guarantee you these people are very unlikely to be talking like that now, particularly the younger people. But the people can openly state why it's a racist. And that's a mainstream position in many circles. America's a racist society. Why it's a racist. So the difference is that you're talking about, which I know, God, I mean, I'm not, I'm not approving it of it in any way, shape, or form, but you're talking about private comments of racism that would never, ever, ever show up and shouldn't, right, in editorials in the New York Times, right? No, however, if we look at, if we talk about like how that would affect their behavior, if someone holds those beliefs, that's affecting their behavior, whether they're explicitly saying it, you know, out in public I get or that. not. I get, I'm not saying it doesn't affect their behavior. What I'm saying is that, there's racism that dare not speak its name, right, which is the racism you're talking about, which affects people's behavior. Of course, absolutely. I said, that were white racists. I'm not backing down from that. Okay. But that is the racism that dare not speak its name. The racism that is trumpeted from the rooftops are, okay, there were a quarter million peaceful arrests in New York. One guy got killed. White racism. That is the racism that we don't see because it's omnipresent and it's against whites and it's not even like people would never say blacks are inferior and shouldn't in in mainstream media circles but people will regularly say america is a racist country by which they mean whites are racists and that's a fundamental foundational narrative in academia, in the media, in movies, in entertainment, and so on, right? I mean, I think it was, uh, Mike, you can check on this, me. When they moved, they made the movie Django Unchained, was it Jamie Foxx who said, oh, man, best movie role ever. I get to shoot around killing, I get to run around, ride around killing white people. What could be better than that? Now that, I, yeah, I think he's, he, I, he's, still got, he's still got a career. Right. He's still got a career. Imagine Mark Wahlberg saying about some movie, oh, best thing ever. I get to ride around in this movie shooting black people. Best thing ever. I mean, this is the double standard. Yeah, sure, no, I get it. And so what I'm talking about is that we have massive work to do on racism, and we have been working on white racism for, I don't know, when when did... uh, abolitionism first start 200 or more years and great you know good but i i think it's time to spread the love around a little bit i I think it's i think it's time to recognize that there is systemic public open racism against white people that's not good and i don't say this because i'm white i just say this because i'm a philosopher and principles are principles but sorry go ahead so I was just going to say, okay, so so that's kind of a big part of your thinking behind the presentation? No. No, I wouldn't say it's a big part of my thinking behind the presentation. I uh, also care a lot about black people. And, boy, I mean, if, if, uh, if every time uh, a black person gets shot by a white cop, there's an unbelievable crap storm... And what's going to happen? 
how many smart people, let's just say since it's generally the white cops who are targeted, how many smart cops are going to want to join the force? Anybody with any brains is going to look at that and say, ooh, really? You know, even if it turns out that I'm entirely innocent, my life could be completely destroyed. And the reality is that statistically, black people call on cops more than white people, even when normalized for a wide variety of factors. And there are, you know, great, wonderful, hardworking, fantastic black people who are the victims of not so great, wonderful, and hardworking black people, just as there are of any races, because, you know, races tend to congregate in many ways. And if we have this um, white cops are racists, and every time there's an incident, it's just going to be a howling mob demanding someone's head. And now this crazy guy in New York recently just shot you know, one Hispanic and one Asian cop, because apparently he thought they were white, I don't know, and then shot himself after launching his day of violence by shooting his girlfriend in the stomach and saying that he's twittering or posting somewhere that he's going to put wings on pigs and for every one of ours, I'm going to take down two of theirs. How many people, how many smart white people are going to want to become cops when you look at the cost and benefit. And if less intelligent people become cops of any race, how's that going to help the black community who kind of need cops? I mean, obviously, <laughs> white communities need cops too, but just in terms of the proportionality of calls, even if we normalize for everything else. It's about really thinking of the interests of minority communities in the long term. This race-baiting stuff is going to end in disaster. I'm telling everyone here and now, this race-baiting stuff, and this includes the baiting of the white race and the black race, which is, of course, in America, really where it shakes down to. This race-baiting stuff, it's, um, it's really going to end in disaster. And the disaster is, I think, disproportionately going to strike the black community. And I think that's incredibly tragic because we need strong uh, peace. We need a, a, an excess of peace in the black community. I mean, of course, partly to heal the historical traumas and partly to give blacks the room to to begin to explore how to parent more peacefully in general, right? Now again, there are great black parents and there are terrible white parents and everything in between, but again, just looking at the very broadest of pictures, there does seem to be higher levels of corporal punishment and so on in black communities and so on. And I think that this constant race baiting is is going to be bad. It's going to be bad for um, for for everyone. And uh, I, but I think it's it's going to disproportionately hit the black communities. And I think that's really tragic uh, because to me, this is just a continuation of, um, you know, I mean, not, not to equate everybody on the left with being Democrats, but Democrats have a terrible history of race relations, terrible history of race relations. I mean, it's the Republicans who were really trying to normalize a lot of race relations. Uh, and it was the Democrats who, I'm not a Republican, right? <laughs> but uh, it was historically, it was the Democrats the KKK was an offshoot of the Democrat Party. Bull Connor and all those guys down there are all Democrats. 
Um, they have this inability to just deal with blacks as regular old folk. It's just human beings. Uh, and now there's strong cases to be made that the Democrats are using this race baiting uh, just to, you know, gin up support for their electoral base and so on. And I mean, it, I think it's, uh, I think it's, I'm just telling you my opinion. I don't have any proof of this. I mean, this is a, a but I think that it's, um, you know, this constant race baiting, this, this, this provoking of the seething hatred against white people from black people and the whatever response that brings out in white people who don't wake up in the morning thinking, oh my God, before I have my tea and crumpets, I must find some way to oppress others. <laughs> I mean, it is um, this, this constant provocation, this balkanization of the races, this constant injection of this seething hatred into, into these interactions. Um, it, is, it is going to continue to escalate until um, people push back on principle. And that's, that's what I try to do. I mean, I want the best for everyone. I mean, that's a cheesy hallmark sentiment, but it's really true. And I just, this is why I push back against, it's not, look, the facts are in the videos and the, the people watch the videos because these are current topics. And I try to explore issues within the current topics that are not generally discussed, but I think are valid and important. But I also do have a motive for pushing back against this race baiting. Because there's lots of people I really care about who live in the States. And, um, you know, I maybe I obviously grew up in a different – the most popular guy in my high school was a black guy. A really great guy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, just a great guy all around. And um, I, would, uh, um, I would say that I try to push back against bigotry wherever I see it. And if I saw – massive evidence of public white racism, then I would really focus on that. And of course, there are racist whites, no question. But when I look sort of objectively or as objectively as I can, and I'm trying to be objective here too, and of course, correct me where I've gone astray. But when I look at the general narrative, when I look at um, something like uh, when... Uh, Jamie Foxx was on Saturday Night Live. Mike got me the uh, recording. Oh, not the recording. He got me the quotes. Um, so here's the full quote. Jamie Foxx says, and I've got, and I got a movie coming out. Django. Check it out. Leonardo DiCaprio, Samuel L. Jackson, Django Unchained. I play a slave. How black is that? And in the movie, I had to wear chains. How whack is that? But don't worry. But don't be worried about it because... I get out of the chains, I get free, I save my wife, and I kill all the white people in the movie. How great is that? And how black is that? That, that is offensive. And that is played for laughs in the biggest comedy show in America. That's a problem. And it is racist to only focus on the racism of whites. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. Because the white people's racism, where it still exists, is pretty underground and it's pretty private. Which doesn't mean it doesn't need to be talked about. It doesn't mean that it doesn't affect people's behavior. It's still an issue in the world. But there's a much more public form of racism that is... Um, 
unquestioned. And nobody would look at some black kid who kills a white guy as being somehow systemic of black, the, the black culture and black people as a whole in America. But one, you know, one or two white cops shoot a black guy and suddenly all whites are racist. I mean, God, you, you get that we, we, we can't let that stand unchallenged. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a pretty like decent history of, you know, go, going back, you know, to, certainly back to the civil rights era and before that, of course, of of black people being treated differently by the legal system in the United States. Absolutely. So you know, what I mean, it's Absolutely. not like like you, like what you said a second ago, like oh, like oh, a couple of white cops kill one black guy or a couple of black guys, and now well, white cops are racist or whatever. Like, I mean, that's not accurate in the sense that there's been a no, no. But this, this, but this is this is the point of what I'm trying to say. Is that give me another society that has worked as hard for a formerly enslaved minority? worked as hard to make them equal. I mean, that's not how they dealt with things in Rwanda, right? Rwanda, I mean, the the two opposing clans or the two opposing groups just hacked each other to bits with machetes. Right? So, yeah, I fully recognize, yeah, there was uh, injustices, absolutely. But my point is that this is the society that has worked the hardest to address those injustices. And compared to other societies around the world where there are minorities, I think that America has worked really hard. That doesn't mean that those injustices weren't there. It doesn't mean that they never had any effect. But the injustices also affected uh, the whites, right? As I pointed out in The Truth About Slavery, I mean, whites were enslaved by blacks and Muslims, and it was a worldwide practice um, that had lasted for as long as human history had lasted that was ended by white Western Europeans. And whites were impressed or forced to go on slave hunting patrols and really hated slavery because it drove down wages and caused them to have to spend half their nights around beating the bush looking for escaped slaves. And there was lots of oppression that went on throughout, uh, throughout history. But it seems to me that to say whites are racist when white Western society has, I think, you know, again, looking at it from space alien perspective, that white Western society has worked the very hardest out of all the societies ever throughout history to redress and equalize its treatment of minorities. Again, space alien perspective, that's what I would think. I and mean, maybe there's tons of examples as, uh, of, of differences that, that I'm not aware of or whatever. But um, I'm, I'm trying to sort of think of other societies where there are affirmative action policies and preferential hiring policies for uh, minorities. I mean, you don't see this uh, particularly going on, say, among the Kurds and the Sunnis and the Shiites in Iraq, or in variety—I <laughs> mean, in Northern Ireland, it's not, this stuff doesn't generally happen when there is minorities within a particular country or culture, and it has happened in white Western countries. 
And I don't know that it's I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying I think there's a case to be made that yeah, historical injustices, but heavens, you know, I mean, look around the world. Uh, where, where are minorities receiving better or more preferential, even you could argue unjustly preferential, uh, treatment? Uh, it's hard to find a place. Again, I'm, I'm, you, you may have studied this a lot more than I have, and I'm certainly happy to hear the case. But um, you know, minorities in Saudi Arabia or or Turkey or, or even Africa. I mean, how are the white Rhodesian farmers being treated in the black countries? Well, pretty badly. Yeah, I guess, I mean, just one thing that I just thought of there is that yeah. um, when we look at, you know, the way, and I'm not saying this is a perfect, you know, analogy, but when we look at the way children are treated in the United States uh, or in England, for example, um, there's there's a lot that we could find to criticize and to really just rail against. And and, and you have, you know, more eloquently, eloquently than anyone I really know. Um but if we were to compare that to how children are treated in, uh, I don't know, say in Saudi Arabia or um, Indonesia or in Japan, maybe even, or, you know, in China and so on, um, it, I, I would go out on a limb and say it's even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that that's not a great, you know, um, basis of comparison to say, well, then it's pretty good here for kids. You know, it's it's better, but there's there's still so much that's wrong with it, so much that's abhorrent, there's so much that's... Um, that's worth, uh, you know, going after. Um, well, no, look, I mean, I, again, comparing blacks to children, I'm not saying that you're trying to do that intellectually, yeah, but, but no, 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 but comparing blacks to children, I mean, blacks have had equal rights for many, many years. Uh, children are still legally, you can hit them. Right? I mean, if you were to compare the two accurately, you'd say, well, you know, if we had a society where whites could hit blacks with impunity, in fact, it was considered virtuous, and if you didn't hit a black, you were, right? Whatever, right? I'm, I'm just saying the point about comparing it to other countries, other societies, other cultures. I, I don't know. I mean, that's one way to look at it. I, I don't know how useful that is. No, it is useful. No, no, no. It is useful because still in a lot of Western countries, you can still hit children, but you can't hit blacks. So, you know, when I say, well, we could really improve the lot of children – they're still in a vastly different legal category for the most part than any other minorities. Right, but would you say that, that white Western countries have done a, a great deal for children? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they've done so much for children. That's, that's a good reason for us to say that childism is over with. No, no, no. But again, ch- children are far further back than blacks in America because you can't legally hit blacks. I'm, I, that sounds terrible. Like, boy, I would like to change that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't legally hit blacks, right? But you can legally hit children, right? So, so sure. yeah, children, no, are, children, children back, are disenfranchised right? more than anybody else. Exactly. You know. yeah, and no, and I, I, as you'll notice, I don't have a lot of videos nagging the Swedes to be better parents, right? And and look, I mean, sure, the Swedes still have got a long way to go. But, you know, I th- if I remember rightly, in places like Sweden, spanking has been banned for quite a long time. So... You know, that's a right. step, right? Um, and, uh, you know, in places like, yeah, I think, England, Canada, America, other places, uh, the legal hitting of children is still, obviously, uh, a foundation of, of the law. So, um, so yeah, I, I just want to sort of point that out. But, um, 
I would I would just really like to I mean I'd really like to cool the racist rhetoric as a whole. Let's not judge groups there, you know, let's and let's let's assume no racism until proved otherwise. I mean innocent until proven guilty is kind of foundational to western law and you know I certainly would never, you know, chat with a black guy and assume he's he's a anti-white racist, you know, I just, I just wouldn't. I mean that would be inconceivable to me like any more than i'd sort of ah there's a woman on the subway she must be a radical feminist <laughs> wants to cut men's balls off and you know farm them for sperm right i mean i just would never you know because to me you know you're you're not these things until proven otherwise and uh that doesn't seem to be the standard with white people you're like you're not racist until <laughs> you know you say something horribly racist in which case you know uh okay let's go there that doesn't that innocent until proven guilty thing doesn't seem to be the case and this is why you know you know it's sorry you know you know what's funny about that stuff is that like that i i agree with you in terms of like that's what you the idea that you get from media from the mainstream press and so on just anecdotally my experience um I've, i've worked with many black people in terms of being colleagues and um you know other People at my job and other jobs that I've had in the past, um, they, just from what I can tell, they really seem to operate on that principle of sort of uh, not racist until proven racist. Good, good. You know what I mean? Well, then, then we have to figure out who's buying all these newspapers. <laughs> well, I think you, you can buy a newspaper without, you know, buying into everything they say. Yeah, well, look, the newspapers are... Um or, or watch a TV Not show. Idiots at the business of selling you, newspapers, right? You know, sometimes I sometimes I tune in to Bill O'Reilly every now and then to see what he's saying. Uh, you can rest assured that I don't agree with him on pretty much anything. No, but because you tune in occasionally, you're not part of his core audience, right? I mean, there's enough people buying these this media crap that they're selling it to someone. And it's not people like you who are tuning in occasionally. I mean, yeah, there's a wide variety of websites I visit that I disagree with enormous amounts on it. I just find different perspectives fascinating in general. But um, there are, you know, the fact that you drop into Bill O'Reilly is not – but, you know, people are buying enough of this stuff that uh, it is – it's just just, just something I want to be more aware of. Uh, I certainly would not judge a group – by its uh, worst members, and uh, I, I, I would expect the same courtesy as a whole uh, in return. And where it's not supplied, I, you know, I have to call it like it is. Well, um, well, you know, let me just say that I really appreciate you talking about this and, and taking this question. You know, is obviously, I definitely had a reaction to the video, um, and I think it was worthwhile to discuss it. Um, I, I definitely have a little bit better of an idea of where you're coming from. Um, I think yours and my, my experiences are, are a little bit different in terms of the experience of race, the experience of charges against white people and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm sorry, the experience so, of what against white people? The charges of racism against white people, like that kind of stuff. Like it sounded not just, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, I think, I think where we differentiated our experiences was that I don't really know didn't really grow up with any racists right right whereas you sounds like you did right i mean not that that's the only thing and not like that may not even be a huge part of their character but as you said it would come up occasionally right yeah yeah i mean at different times it came up more often than others um right and unfortunately those people aren't around anymore most of my family are, are deceased but um 
So, and we should yeah, oppose. We should oppose that. You know, obviously, we should oppose that where it comes up, where you know where we can, uh, and so on. And I, I, you know, I would never listen to a white person say something like, you know, there's black people and then there are niggers without saying, I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> what? Right. I mean, yeah. you know, right. this, this, you may be painting with a bit of a broad brush there, my friend, and uh, get into a more in-depth conversation uh, about true. it. Uh, and true. I would never let that stand with anyone that I knew. But at the same time, you know, if I hear whites are racist, uh, then I, you know, it would be racist for me not to stand up against that as well, right? I agree. I agree. I, yeah. And um, it sounds like that was definitely part of your motivation in making the video was to say, hey, like, um, you're going to hear a lot of uh, about r- the racism of white people and white police. Here, here are the facts as far as we can see them about um, about this particular incident. Yeah. And and um I just, you know, and and if they can dig up that these guys have had horribly racist posts and, you know, I can't wait to strangle my first fat uh, black guy or whatever, absolutely, you know, you, you know, bring out the pitchforks and I'll be with you, right? But um, I just, I, I find that these cries of racism prior to proof, um, very problematic and uh, um, are going to lead society in a in a bad light. I can't imagine any reasonably intelligent white guy who's like, cop, especially cop near a black neighborhood, that sounds great. Uh, and what's it going to be like a generation from now if you've had the least intelligent white people who still make up the majority of the police force for a variety of reasons, if you have the least intelligent white people patrolling uh, the most challenging neighborhoods, not, of course, all of which are black, but, I mean, what's that going to be like? Well, it's not going to be good. You know, I'd rather there be smarter people in in the police force as a whole in general because you know we're not going to snap our fingers and get rid of it uh anytime soon and um you know people have to think about the long-term consequences of satisfying immediate bloodlust versus you know what is the best for everyone in the long run and uh you know i can guarantee you there's probably about a hundred thousand smart white people who are looking at the police force saying oh my god like there's just no way like there's no way I'm just going to go in and do that. And what's that going to do in a generation or half a generation for that matter? Um, it's not going to be good. And uh, um, I mean, I, I obviously have my issues with the police, but, uh, you know, generalized, you know, white racism and so on. I mean, you can see this. The people, they just spout these statistics um, without any context, without any skepticism and so on. And it's just, um, you know, we need to be, more intelligent and we need to be i'm really really keen on the innocent until proven guilty stuff and um so anyway i I appreciate the question i appreciate the conversation you know i hope everyone understands that you know i truly truly share martin luther king's uh, jr's passion for judging people not by the color of their skin but the content of their character that is one of the most moving things that I've heard in my life, and I really share that dream. And uh, that is uh, for blacks, whites, and and all other races and groups. That I think is that's the dream we all have. And you know, we will judge judge these cops by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. And the moment someone starts talking about racism before the facts are in, or with disregard to the facts, I'm not putting you in this category, but that to me is judging someone by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. And I remember an English teacher playing that 
speech to us in the class when I was young, very young, in fact. And uh, I just remember goosebumps going up and down my skin. And I'm sure my pupils dilated and I got like a horse hoof of <laughs> endorphins to the brain. Because I just, I found that, I mean, obviously it's one of the most thrilling and eloquent and passionate speeches that's ever been recorded. And uh, I really was thrilled with that potential. And that remains my dream and my goal. And I think, I, I'm I'm sure that, that we share that. And I'm sure that people, all good people of goodwill share that. Um, I, I will not judge any one of different melatonin, melatonin? Why well, I always get that wrong. <laughs> I should know that word by now. But I will not judge people of different skin color by the content, uh, sorry, by, by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And uh, I, sh- I sure wish we didn't have skin and we just these giant, visible human beings, you know, like the, uh, I had this encyclopedia when I was a kid where you could like turn these clear pages and look through the layers of the body. And, uh, I, you know, in a way, I sort of wished that both for, for physical beauty and for skin color, I kind of wish we didn't have a skin and we were just these giant chomping masses of <laughs> muscle and bone so that we could really see each other for our character rather than for our skin color. And I think that's the goal. And it does, uh, it does get dispiriting when, I see a lot of, you know, whites are racist stuff floating around the media. And I just I just want people to wake up to it. And, of course, not to fall asleep to all other forms of racism that occur also within the white community. But uh, it needs to be uh, something we talk about a bit more honestly. And, I, you know, I don't want the, the lynch mobs to start swarming the other way. You know, and that's just not the kind of balance I think that philosophers are looking for. So I appreciate the call. It was really, really, really enjoyable chat. And I hope that we can uh, talk again at some point as well. Yeah, it's enjoyable for me too, Steph. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much, Nick. Melanin? Not melatonin. Melatonin is a thing that puts you to sleep at night, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's melanin. Melanin. <laughs> melanin. Now, melanin. Now I want a melon. <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. Great, great chat. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It is, uh, you know, as I've continually said, it is a magnificent mind-expanding privilege to be privy to what people think and feel in the realm of self-knowledge and philosophy. It is a wonderful, wonderful privilege. I thank everyone so, so much for this opportunity. If you would like to help out this conversation, this, I genuinely believe, last and best hope of mankind, which is the spread of critical and rational thinking and self-knowledge and virtue, you need to help us survive and flourish into 2015, slash donate to uh, sign up and to help us out. Or if you don't have the money, just help spread some podcasts and videos. You can go to fdrpodcast.com to help share the videos as well. Thank you, everybody, so much. I hope everybody has an absolutely wonderful Christmas. If not, in your current environment, in your hope for what is to come. There's nothing that we can't do, we who think well and love deeply and the love of wisdom leads to the love of virtue and the love of virtue leads to the love of real people who can love you back in a consistent way so never doubt that pursuing wisdom and virtue will lead you to the life that you want the life that you probably need and the life that you deserve as the just fruit of your indomitable efforts Thank you, everyone, so much. We will talk to you soon.